0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is taken from our Not Abandoned series, which walks through the book of Exodus, seeing how God is always with us. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you. and We'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, Exodus chapter number four is where we're at this morning, and we have been learning. Uh, um, our, our series has been this phrase, not abandoned, under, understanding that God does not quit on you. Uh, aren't you thankful God doesn't quit on you? Man, God is never going to give up on you. He's never going to, uh, to fail you. He's never going to quit. And to understand this and to see this, we've been going through the study of of the book of Exodus, the book of Exodus. We've been going through the study of Moses in the book of Exodus. If you recall, when you come to the book of Exodus, the people of Israel, they're in bondage in Egypt. They're in bondage in, to the people of Egypt. But the Pharaoh, it, the Bible tells us, there arose a generation that knew not about Joseph, the man, Hebrew boy, who had delivered Egypt. There was a Pharaoh that arose that became a ruler that didn't know about that, didn't really recall that. And he began to be uh, intimidated by the people of God, by the Hebrew people. And so he enslaved them. He enslaved these people and he began, if you remember the story, he began enslaving them. That didn't work, they kept growing. And so he said, well, if that's not gonna work, let's just kill off all of the males, two years old and under. Let's kill off all the babies, two years old and under, because if we do that, then we'll stop the lineage, we'll stop the line, well, that didn't work. The people kept growing. And of course, that Pharaoh, very frustrated, began to try to deal with things and and uh, again, killing babies, killing off the, the slaves, making things worse. But God was working through the entire thing. How was God working? Well, there was one young boy that that was spared whose name was Moses, who would be a Hebrew boy that would be raised in the Pharaoh's palace, raised by the princess. And that young boy... He knew that God was going to use him, but he worked. He worked in his own timeline. And if you recall, if you were with us last week or two weeks ago, uh, what did Moses do? Well, he killed somebody. He killed an Egyptian soldier and had to flee to the backside of the desert where he's been, the desert of Midian, the Midian desert. He moves there. And as he's there, he gets married. He begins to tend to sheep. And we've been in chapter three and chapter four as Moses is in the backside of the desert, tending sheep, married, has some kids, been here for 40 years, and there's a sight that catches his attention. It's a bush that is burning. Now, the bush that was burning was not the sight that caught his attention. It's it's the fact that the bush was not consumed. Remember that as he's served, as he's uh, uh, shepherding, as he's going, he looks and he speaks to himself. I'm going to turn, turn aside and see why is this bush not being consumed? And out of that bush, the voice of God speaks. And what was the message? Hey, Moses, I have heard. I am come down. I am going to deliver my people. Moses, I've been listening. The people finally called out to me. And Moses, I'm going to use you to do it. And Moses had some doubt. and We learned two weeks ago, how to overcome doubt. Learned that through Moses, overcoming doubt. But then last week, we were encouraged by three challenges, three decisions that God gave to Moses, three decisions that every person must make. If we're gonna be a a person who's gonna take faith steps for God, these three decisions need to be in our life. What are they? Well, we learned number one, we've gotta surrender what we have in our hand. Hey, Moses, what is in your hand? Well, it's a rod. Hey, Moses, I can use even a rod to show my power. Surrender what's in your hand. Number two, the thought last week was we have to submit and follow his leading. Remember Moses, well, I, I can't speak. Moses, I, or Moses said to God, God, I can't speak. God, I can't do this. I can't do that. And what was God's response? Hey, Moses, just trust me. Moses, I created your mouth. I'll bring someone to help you. And then we also saw last week that if we're going to Take steps of faith, we must separate to him alone. We must be all in. We've gotta say, God, I'm in completely. It's not gonna be uh, a little bit of my life, it's gonna be all of my life. I'm completely following you. Now this morning, we're gonna discover that Moses, he's finally gonna take this step of faith. He's finally going to launch out and follow God. But before we get into this, uh, I'm gonna ask you, how many of you, you do what we call a trip checklist before you take a trip, you actually make a checklist of things you need to take. How many of you are like me and you do that? All right, those of you that didn't raise your hand, you forget stuff all the time. I remember a few years ago, I, I had this mindset that I could trust my brain. I can remember my mind all the time was, oh, I can remember. My wife would say, Hey, why don't you make an appointment? You know, those those folks wanted to talk to you. I'll say, Oh, I'll remember. I remember doing that with trips. Trips would come up and I'm thinking, okay, I need to do this and this and this. I'll remember. I'll remember to go to the bank. I'll remember to get that money out. I'll remember uh, to pack that, pack this. But then you ever got on a trip and you get somewhere, you land, you open your suitcase or you're driving, you travel that 10 or 12 hours or 15 hours, you open your suitcase and you go, oh man, I can't can't believe I forgot that. How many of you be honest how many of you have forgotten a whole section of your clothing for a trip? Yeah. So I started creating these trip checklists that I would do. There was a few years ago that I was driving to uh, California and we got there and we had left. When we had left on this vacation, I, uh, I had, was wearing just shorts and a t-shirt And we got to uh, my aunt's house in Oregon. We stayed the night there, and I had just a backpack with an overnight bag that I had thrown another pair of shorts and T-shirt in. We're going to be driving, so might as well be comfortable. We finally got to our destination in Southern California. It came to Saturday afternoon. Uh, I was supposed to be at a church on Sunday. And I realized that Saturday afternoon that I, I had forgotten, I'm pretty sure at that time I had forgotten my dress shoes, and I didn't bring any belts with me. Now, for some of you, you're like, well, big deal. For bigger people, like me, a no belt is a big deal. And I remember at like four o'clock, five o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, asking my wife, like, hey, do you think anywhere, where, where could we go? The town we were in, they didn't have a Walmart. They didn't have like somewhere you could just pop in. And so she's like, thrift stores. There's gotta be a thrift. We went to one, it was closed. Went to the other one closed. Now we're driving. I'm frantically thinking, I'm going to be at this church tomorrow and I'm just going to be like doing this the whole day. And we found this thrift store and they had belts, but they didn't have my size. So the next day I was like two sizes smaller. Is <laughs> everybody doing today? Glad to be here. And man, ever since then, I do a checklist. Why? I hate forgetting things. My mom, her nickname growing up was Forgetful Jones because she forgot stuff all the time. It runs in our family. We had another vacation. Actually, actually, it might have been the same vacation. There's one of our children. I'm not going to name him, but he's our youngest. His name rhymes with Micah. For years, Micah's helping in the kids' church today, the clubhouse kids, so I can pick on him. Uh, for years, we would go on vacation, and I can't tell you how many times we would get to our very first pit stop, there was one time we were driving to California again, got to our very first pit stop in, in uh, Oregon, and I said, all right, guys, we're going to make this a quick one. Put your shoes on, and let's get out. Go use your restroom. Do whatever you need to do. I'm going to get gas, and we're on the road, and from the back, I heard little eight-year-old Micah, um, has anybody seen my shoes? <laughs> I was like, Micah, where are your shoes? And Dennis, his brother, 11 years old at the time, says, Micah, they're at the house. Micah says, No, they're not. No, I, I, no. Yeah, they are. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't bring shoes. I'm like, Well, get the ones out of your suitcase. I didn't pack shoes, Dad. (laughs) Would you bring flip flops? No. What were you wearing when you got in the car? Nothing. I just came out. You said go to the car. I came to the car. I'm like, dude, how do you forget shoes? Like, what? So, that thrift store, again, you know, thank God for thrift stores where you can go and buy cheap stuff. You know what, ever since then, man, a checklist. Why do I need a checklist? Why do you need a checklist? And maybe you're not a checklist person. Man, I need it because I need to know as I go along are, that I remember some of these things. But not only do you have checklists for maybe before a trip, but oftentimes, if you're like me, I'll have checklists for while I'm traveling. I'll have things that I need to do, places. Hey, these are the people that you're supposed to contact. Hey, as you go, make sure you return that phone call. I'll be on a trip a little bit this week, a couple of uh, things down in California, and just be gone Monday to Wednesday, Monday to Thursday morning. And this week, you know, I'm gonna have, I already have it. I have to make some emails. I have to make sure I'm doing some things on Tuesday, on Wednesday, and I'm gonna have a checklist of stuff to do. As you go along on your journey, you need a checklist. This morning, as we come to Exodus chapters number four and five, all the way through the end of chapter Chapter number six, we're going to see a checklist for faith steps. We established this last week. Every single one of us in life, God is going to ask you to take steps of faith. If you know God as your Savior, God is going to ask you to maybe talk to that coworker or neighbor about the Lord. God is going to ask you to give uh, maybe uh, for missions or something like that. God is going to ask you to step up and be the husband in the home or the wife in the home. God's going to ask you to take steps of faith. Each and every uh, phase of your Christian life, God continually asks us to take steps. But as we take steps, there's some things We need to remember. There's a checklist, if you will, that we need to remember. And so our story, our narrative picks up in chapter four of Exodus and verse number 27. So let's stand together and let's read these verses. I'll read them aloud. You follow along quietly in your own heart. And Exodus chapter four and verse number 27, the word of God says this. And the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness and meet Moses. And he went and met him in the Mount of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron, they went and they gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they had heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and they worshiped. This morning, we're going to cover some ground, but what I want us to discover is as Moses takes this step of faith, what was his step of faith? Moses, I'm gonna use you to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty big step. Some scholars believe there would be upwards near maybe two to three million people that Moses would be leading out of the land of Egypt. That's a big, that's a giant step. Moses, as you take this step, there's some things that you need to know and there's some things that you and I can learn from these pas- this passage as we take our steps of faith for the Lord. And so today, talking about our faith trip, our faith journey, what's our checklist look like as we get going on the steps of faith that God asks us to make? That's what we're going to discover this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take just a moment and in the quietness of your own heart, why don't you just give God permission, give God permission to speak to you And then make a commitment that as God speaks to you, that you're going to listen to him. As God speaks to you, you're going to listen to him. You're going to respond to him. Dear Lord, I want to come before you this morning and just humble myself before you. I want to pray, God, that you would help as we get into your word today. I wanna pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you'd help us to see the truths that you have for us in your passage today. God, I pray that as we take the faith steps that you put in our life, that we would remember these principles out of your word. And God, that you'd help us to just grow each and every day to be more like you. We love you and we thank you for your love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. I've heard it said this way that in the Christian life, God's desire is that we would constantly be moving forward. The life of a Christian is like that of an airplane. If an airplane is not moving forward, it's either crashing or stopped. If an airplane, airplane's not moving, airplanes, I've, I don't know very much about airplanes, but I've never seen one go in reverse unless they're on the tarmac. <laughs> and they're always moving forward. God desires that for the Christian life. He desires our life to be a forward-moving life. He desires for us to continually take steps of growth. One man said it this way. He said, God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. Hey, God loves you just like you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you and I to be more like Christ. Because of that, what does God do? Well, God challenges us to follow him by faith, to take those faith steps and move forward. And these steps of faith, they look different for every single person. For some, it may be to surrender a certain area of their life to the Lord, or as I stated, maybe talking to somebody about the gospel, or maybe leading your family, or being a peacemaker in the home, or stepping up and serving at church, or giving. There's many steps of faith, but God is always encouraging us to take steps of faith because he's trying to help us to become more like Christ. But as we take steps of faith, As we make those decisions, there are doubts that come, there are fears that come, but there are also truths and principles that we must know. And as Moses took his step of faith, there was some principles, some things that that happened in their life and their story that I think we can derive and learn from as we take our steps of faith. As the story opens up in verse number 27, Moses, he's finally really completely on board with what God has said. All right, Lord, I'm going to go. And God told him, I'm gonna bring Aaron to come to you, your brother. And so Aaron comes and what does Moses do? Well, he tells Aaron, hey, Aaron, here's what God has said to me. And Aaron, man, Aaron's on board. Aaron's on board with it. And I love the, just a simple thought. One of the very first things we should do when God's working in our life is tell people close to us. That's extra. That's not part of the message, but just a thought. Man, when, when God's working in your life, what was God doing in Moses' life? He was doing something great. And Moses said to him, Hey, Aaron, I want you to be on Aaron, I want you to know what God's doing. One of the best things to help you and I forward in our Christian life is when God works, tell other people. When God's doing something, when God's encouraging a faith step, when God's helping you, then tell other people. And man, most, more than likely, it should be your family. Man, tell those closest to you. Well, Aaron and Moses, what do they do? They travel all the way to Egypt. They get into Egypt. They gather the elders together and they begin to present to them what God is doing. And they then are on board and they go to the people and the people, they begin to worship God. That brings us to this very first principle I wanna start with today. And that is this, that as you take steps of faith for God, what you should do is begin with worship. Begin with worship. When Moses and Aaron come to the people and tell them what God is doing, the word of God says this in verse number 31, that the people believed. And look at that. When they heard, when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and they worshiped. You know what took place in their life? The attitude of God's people at this moment when they realized that God was listening. Hey, when they realized that the God of glory was listening to them, nothing had taken place yet. They're still in Egypt, they're still enslaved. No, no, you and I, we read the story with 2020 vision, right? We look back, we know, we know about the plagues, we know about the walking through the Red Sea, we know about the establishment of Jerusalem and the people of Israel having their own land. We know all of those things. They didn't. They just knew someone had come to them and said, Hey, God, listen to you. And in that moment, they stopped and worshiped. In that moment, they stopped and praised. They had not seen an inch of the promised land yet. All they knew knew was that God heard them and God cared about them. And they stopped and worshiped. Unfortunately, you know what we do too often? We take steps of faith for the Lord, but we wait until the end of the process to worship him. And oftentimes we don't even do that. We wait until it all works out before we bow and worship We wait till all the details have been dealt and are all brought together. We wait until the illness is gone before we believe that God has heard our prayer. We wait until all the bills are paid before we believe that God has heard our prayer. We wait until all of the what if questions are figured out. We wait until we have all of the answers to stop and praise God. But hey, can I, can I be the messenger today? Can we hear from Moses and hear from Aaron the simple truth that we talked about a few weeks ago that the God of all eternity, he is listening to you. He created you and he cares about you. And he who created everything said, come unto me all ye who are heavy laden and uh, burdened down and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart. And when he said, I will give you rest unto your souls. He said, cast all your care upon me. Peter said, cast all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Hey, when is the last time? When's the last time that you just, stopped and bowed and worshiped him just because he listens. We want all the answers before we worship. I love the example of the people. Now, are they an example at every uh, turn along the way? No, but they are right here. They stop, they bow, and they worship. When you know God is speaking and when you know God is working in your life, when you know he's listening, hey, just take time to worship. You see, God does not have to listen to you and I. God doesn't have to work in our lives. We don't deserve anything from God. I'm sorry, but you and I, we may have our checklist in our Christian life and say, well, God, didn't you see I gave you an hour this week at church? I mean, pastor went long. It was an hour and a half. God, don't you see what I did? I mean, this week, I didn't, I didn't yell at my wife. God, this week, I showed up for work. God, and we want to have this checklist of all of these performing things that we did. You know what? None of that impresses God. I'll tell you this morning, and I'm, I'm not trying to be a, my mom would call it a Debbie Downer. But you know what? When you and I show up to church, God, God's not like, wow, what a great sacrifice. Whoa, when you and I give to missions, God's not like, oh my word, I can't, why? Because he owns it all. If he wanted it, and, and I'm thankful we don't serve a God who's like, do, God gives us freedom of choice, right? You know what God's impressed with? I believe that God's impressed with faithful consistency and I believe that God's impressed with people who regardless of outcome, just worship him. Enter into his presence with worship, with thanksgiving. It shouldn't be, well, God, have you seen what I've done lately? It should be, God, thank you for just hearing me. I don't deserve anything. We don't deserve anything and yet God still works question about this. What is, Maybe what is God beginning to do in your life that you should stop and worship him for? God was beginning to work in their life. They didn't know the outcome yet. They just trusted. They just had this step of faith that said, God, we just believe you. We just believe that you're going to do something. And so in this moment, they stopped and they worshiped and they praised God. Hey, what's God beginning to do in your life that you should stop and praise him for? Well, the people, they worship, they praise God, and now it comes time to go before Pharaoh. Exodus chapter five, verse one and two, afterward, Moses and Aaron, they went in unto Pharaoh. And they told Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And notice Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, who is Jehovah? Who is the Lord? that I should obey his voice to let Israel go. I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. You're going to discover, and we'll see this in the coming weeks, this is Pharaoh's attitude the entire rest of the time. Man, who is God? Why do I have to follow him? That kind of brings us to a second quick thought that I wanna give us as we travel on our faith journey. Your faith journey, your faith steps, any time along the way should begin with worship, but as you continue, you got to remember this, that people around us will not understand us. Hey, as you take your steps of faith, people who don't know God, who don't follow him, your steps of faith are not going to make sense to them. What did Pharaoh say? Who is God? Who, who's this Lord? I don't know the Lord. I'm not going to let people, I'm not, I don't know him, and I'm not going to let Israel go. I don't care who your God is. Who is the Lord? That was was his question. I don't know him. I don't care to know him. And Moses and Aaron, they're appearing before Pharaoh and they're saying, hey, we heard from Jehovah God. And Pharaoh says, who is Jehovah God? Moses and Aaron had heard from the Lord. The people, they were excited but Pharaoh and the people of Egypt, they were only cared for themselves because they didn't know the Lord. What's the simple point? It's just the fact that people will not understand your steps of faith for the Lord. You know, people, don't, people who don't know Christ, there might even be someone here this morning that doesn't know the Lord. And, and the question is, man, why do they sing these songs about the blood? That's just That's just weird. But before before believers condemn people who don't know, remember that you at one time used to be a non-believer. At one time, you questioned. And what doesn't make sense to unbelievers? Listen, uh, to people who don't know Christ, it doesn't make sense to them that you come to church faithfully. It doesn't make sense to... To believers that you don't act like, act like the lost and talk like the culture and that you don't maybe uh, do some of the things that other people do that you work around. A lot of that just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that, that you want to uh, uh, lead your family, that you want to talk with people about the Lord, that you want to give to the gospel. It doesn't make sense. Missions giving, this type of stuff, the, the faith promise giving or missions giving that we are a part of, it doesn't make sense. Tithing, doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. Why? Because because the faith steps of the Christian don't make sense to those who don't know Christ. Paul actually said it this way. He said that the preaching of the cross, that the message of Jesus is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us that are saved, what is it? It's the power of God. Hey, the truth, the the gospel of Jesus, his death, burial, and his resurrection, it is not going to make sense to people who don't know Christ. It's not gonna add up. The only thing that they're going to see is, wow, maybe I need something like that. Many things having to do with the faith journey of a believer just often don't make sense to those who don't know the Lord. They wonder, why do you serve God on your days off? Why do you speak so highly of this God you serve? Why do you do the things that you do? Well, it's because, and as we take steps of faith, sometimes your steps of faith just don't make sense to people who don't know Christ. Can I give a simple encouragement? That's okay. Hey, your family, some of you have family that don't know the Lord and they say, what? I mean, I think of my wife's family. I I love them, but a lot of them don't know Christ. And when we go to family things, uh, they're like, so Dennis, how you been? I'm like, I'm doing well, man. What's been going on in your life? Well, if you know me, I mean, really the only thing I have going on in my life has to do with God. So I talk about church. I talk about being a chaplain, where I talk to police officers about God, lead my family, talk to my kids, and talk to them about the Lord. You know, what my you know what my wife's family sometimes does. They go, "Oh, hey, how you been doing over there? How's the bank going? How's that going? You know." And it just sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Well, should I be like, well, then I'm not going. I'm not going to talk to him. No, I don't want to be like that. Why? Because they need Jesus Christ just like anybody else. And so we need to just understand as we take faith steps, sometimes people are not going to understand it along the way. As you move forward, Pharaoh, he responds with that attitude, who is the Lord and, and why would I let people go? And then the story actually tells us that Pharaoh makes a decision to make things worse for the people of God than the situation they're already in. And that's a third thought about the faith steps that you and I take. Sometimes things get worse before they get better. <laughs> What does the story say? Look with me at verse number six of Exodus chapter number five. It says, and Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers saying, ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves and the tale of the bricks, which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them. Ye shall not diminish aught thereof for they be idle." Therefore they cry, saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let there be more work be laid upon them, upon the men, that they may labor therein, and let them not regard vain words. What takes place? Well, remember, they're servants, they're slaves. They're making all of these bricks. They're doing all of this stuff to build different, excuse me, cities for uh, for Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, hey, to all of his guards, quit providing what they need to make the bricks. Make them go out and cut it themselves. Make them make the mortar themselves. Make, their, make them do all of that themselves. But don't take away the requirements. So if we're requiring 100 bricks a day, hey, may, tell them they still have to have 100 bricks a day, but they, now they have to go out and they have to get all the provision themselves. I don't know about you, but that sounds a bit Harder. And as a matter of fact, it is. If you go to the story, and we'll see it in just a minute, the people, they go to Pharaoh and they're like, hey, why are you making this harder? And he says, because you're lazy. You're a bunch of idle people. That's why you wanna go worship is because you're lazy people. And the people, they get frustrated. They go to Moses, they complain to Moses. Hey, Moses, I thought you said that this was all gonna get better. And yet here they are, things are getting worse before they get better. Be honest, you don't have to answer this out loud, but just think about it. Have you ever had a time in your life when you thought, man, God, I just, I just don't know how much more I could take? A time in your life when you're just like, man, God, I'm, I feel like everything is crumbling right now. And the next day you wake up, and it crumbles even further. You ever had that? And we all have, haven't we? We all have had that time in life when, uh, when we, thought, we think this thought, could things get any worse? <laughs> Don't ever ask that question because the answer is always yes. yes. <laughs> answer is always, man, could things get any worse? Yep, they could get worse. Hey, in the Christian life, As you and I take faith steps for Christ, as you take faith steps in your journey, the devil doesn't like it. He's gonna throw things your way. Your flesh often won't like it and your flesh can trip you up and get in the way. But here's the principle we need to understand is that there is nowhere in the word of God where the believer is promised ease. Can I just be very, very transparent with you, and with myself even about Americanized Christianity? Americanized Christianity—we have, we have, um, uh, we have—we've decorated the Christian life. And here's what I mean by that: We have this group of believers out there that—it's called the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel says that if you are at a time in your life when things are going really well, then God is pleased with you. But if you're at a time in your life when things are not going well, God is judging you and you are not right with God. And there's a prosperity gospel thing that that people try to pull from scripture. But here's a a principle that we need to know. We say it often. God will never love you any more or any less than he does right now. And sometimes, to quote my dad, sometimes life just happens. Sometimes sickness is just a part of life. Poor financial decisions sometimes are just a part of learning, just a part of life. Disease often, it's just, I, I hate to say it, it's just a part of life. But, Pastor, God is in control. If He's in control, can't He make these things not happen? Well, yeah, He could. But he's not a puppet master. He's not gonna control all these little things just so you and I can have an ease of a Christian life. In our mindset, we have this, we have this whole uh, concept that we think, well, if, if things are going good, then God must really be blessing me right now. If I'm good financially, if the job's stable, if the family's really well, if the marriage is super crisp, if everything's really going along, if everything's, I've never really described a marriage being crisp, but... <laughs> only analogy, any phrase, that come, adjective came to my mind. As we, as we go through, sorry, that was totally random. As we go through life and we, we begin to think if everything is good, then God and I must be on good terms. But if one little thing goes wrong, we question the goodness of God. Psh, are, you, are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me right now? God, I can't, I can't, I, 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 I. Hey, sometimes things get worse before they get better. Isn't that encouraging today? (laughs) I'm not trying, I I said it a minute ago, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. I'm trying to help us understand, don't over-glamorize being a Christian, being a Christian. Someone here may be be saying, well, I'm not a Christian. I I don't wanna do it now, now that you're doing this. Hey, can I tell those, maybe those of you that are with us in person or online that don't know Christ, you're still going to have life. Troubles are still going to come. I would rather go through my troubles with the creator than go through them against him. And as you and I travel through life, man, those trials and challenges are going to come. I'm so thankful I get to hold on to the hand of the creator. But here's what he promised. John chapter 16 verse number 33 these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace in the world you are going to have tribulation what is that trials challenges but be of good cheer this is Jesus i have overcome the world hey hey i am still the victor that's what jesus is saying challenges are going to come we still win played sports. Those of you that have played sports before, you know that in a sports game, man, it doesn't, you don't just go out there and, I mean, unless the other team forfeits, you don't go out there and just get an easy victory. There's some teams you do, but most teams you don't. Man, you go out there. How many of you pay attention to the Mariners right now? Boy, it's a bummer. Uh, last night, I was dialed in for the game, listening. I, I got in at the eighth inning. That's when I started listening. I didn't know that I was gonna listen to an entire, another baseball game. (laughs) Had to quit at like the 15th inning. Had an event to go through for Youth Dynamics last night. And so I I had to tap out at the 15th inning. I'm checking the score as it's going. And they went went all the way through 18 full innings. Two full games. Wanna know what the score was? One to zero to end the game. One to zero. I don't know about you, but it was like the 12th inning and the announcers were like, well, both teams are really struggling to find pitchers right now. They've all been through their leadoff pitchers and their relief pitchers. And many of them have been through three of their closers already. And the bullpens are, you know, one, one announcer was like, the bullpens aren't even warming, warming anybody up anymore. They don't have anybody to warm up anymore. Longest game in playoff history for Major League Baseball. 18 innings, two full games. Can I tell you something that the Houston Astros, even though they beat the Mariners yesterday, can I tell you something? They're not waking up today going, man, that was an easy game. (laughs) Man, it was easy. Multiple times, if you know anything about baseball, multiple times each team had players on base ready to score that they could have scored, but but then got out, flew out or grounded out or something like that. They're not waking up today, even though the Houston Astros, they're gonna move on and we have to wait one more season to get a victory in a playoff. But that's okay. It's only been 21 years. (laughs) We have to wait. If you're a Mariners fan, you gotta wait. But the Houston Astros aren't waking up today going, oh man, yeah, I feel great. Those pitchers are waking up today going, oh my goodness. I didn't know I was throwing a doubleheader yesterday. I was playing two games. Hey, sometimes the victory... Sometimes during the game, even though there's a victory, there's still some things that happen along the way that cause challenge. It's the same in the Christian life. He has the victory, but sometimes things will get worse before they get better. Think about Mark chapter four, the disciples. They were in the will of God. Jesus had said, let's get in the boat and let's go to the other side. Mark chapter four, and here's what it says. There arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder, the back part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, "'Master, carest thou not that we perish?' Here they are. They're doing what God had asked them to do. He had said, let's get in the boat. Let's go to the other side. They are following what Jesus had said. And what happened? The storm hit. The storm hit and they thought we are going to die. But they were doing what God had asked them to. Hey, you know, sometimes as you and I take faith steps for the Lord, we're going along and storms are going to come. And we think, I can't do any, I can't go through this. The fact is that sometimes things get better before they get worse, but God is still in control. And even though the people of Egypt, even though things got worse for them, before they got better, God was still in control. And notice verse Number 20 of chapter five, it says this, and they met Moses, the people, they met Moses and Aaron who stood in the way as they came forth from complaining to Pharaoh. And they said unto him, the Lord look upon you and judge because you have made our savor to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of his servant uh, to put a sword in their hand to slay us. Hey, Moses, you have made things worse before they're getting better. And notice then, if you will, chapter number five, Chapter number five, and uh, go, if you will, to verse number 22. Go to chapter five, verse number 22, because Moses, as the people come to him and complain, notice what he does. The reference is wrong on the screen, but the verses are correct. Chapter five, verse 22 through chapter six, verse number nine, it says this. And Moses, he returned to the Lord, and he said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither uh, hast thou delivered thy people at all. Then the Lord said unto Moses, now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go. And with a strong hand shall he drive them out of this land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But my name, Jehovah, was I not known unto them. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage where they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will rid you out of their bondage and I will redeem you with a stretched out, with a mighty arm and with great judgments. I will take you to me for a people and I will be to you a God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you into the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and I will give it you for an, for an heritage, I am the Lord. And Moses, so, uh, Moses spake so, notice verse nine, he spake so, or he said all of this unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. Here's the thought I wanna bring out from these verses, and that's this, that as we take steps of faith, as we know that things may get worse before they get better, our focus, where we focus, it determines our outlook and it determines our peace. Where you focus determines your outlook, your perspective, and it determines your peace. What do you mean, pastor? Well, what did the people do the people, they looked on their problems. They come, they complain to Moses, but what does Moses do? Moses, he looks to the Lord. Did you see that? They came, they met him, they complained and they said, uh, Moses, you, you brought it, you did all this and we're going to die. And so what did Moses do? He turned and he said, hey God, what's going on? God, God here's the plan that you laid out. God, here's the plan that you gave me. God, what's happening? And then, do you know what Moses did? He listened for the voice of God. What did God said, I'm not going to repeat it all, but God said, Hey, Moses, remember who I am. We've already been through this, Moses. I told you I would bring the people out of the land, I am Jehovah God. I'm, I'm unlike anybody else that people worship because I am real. I am the King of Kings. I am the Lord of Lords. Moses, I have given you my word. I have given you my promises. I have given you my signs. I have told you that I am the God of your fathers, of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. Moses, I am working. And you know what Moses said? Okay. And then God said, Now go tell the people that. And he did. But what the people do, it says they hearken not, and notice what it says—the reason why they hearken not, for or because anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. The people choose, the people choose not to listen to Moses, excuse me, to listen to what the Lord had told them through Moses, but instead they focus upon their hardships and the counsel of their own heart. That phrase for anguish of spirit or cruel bondage, you know what the people did? They listened to the agony in their heart more than they would listen to the voice of their Savior. They listened to the counsel of their own heart more than the the counsel, the ruling hand of God. Moses was focused upon the Lord. He chose to believe God. And in turn... You want to know one one person through all of this as you go, the rest of this story, through the 10 plagues? You know what God does? God continually comes, or Moses, Moses continually comes back to God and says, hey, God, here's here's what's going on. And God says, all right, Moses, trust me, I'm about to do this. Moses says, okay. Turns around, goes back, does it. Pharaoh says, no. Moses turns around, comes back, says, hey, God, this is going on. Moses' M.O. through the rest of this story all the way until one of the times leading in the, in the desert wilderness for those 40 years of wandering, you know, Moses did. He just kept coming back to the Lord. Hey, here's the thought. We choose where we focus. When you go through a trial, as you take faith steps, as you journey for God, you choose where you focus. You can focus upon the anguish of heart. You can focus upon the circumstances and you can focus upon uh, your feelings and my feelings. I can, Dennis can focus upon my feelings or I can focus on the Lord and just keep coming back to him to say, God, I don't understand, but help me trust you. God, I don't get it, but help me follow you. God, I I don't really know. I, I don't see, but God, I don't need to see. I'm just trusting you. And you know what God usually does in those moments? He gives peace in the heart. He just helps your heart to understand it's okay. I've got this. It's all right. We're moving forward. I may have said this illustration before and I'll give it and we'll, one last thought will be done. I didn't even realize the time. I apologize. For those of you that haven't realized, don't look down yet. <laughs> um, everybody here, you, not everybody, but most people here may be flown. You've been in an airplane in a storm like a lightning storm or something like that. I've been in multiple airplanes when they'd take off, even just on a cloudy day. And you know what? When you take off and you hit those clouds, you can see nothing. I've been in some storms where it was thunder and lightning at noon and it was pitch black in a cloud. And you're in that cloud going through and you're looking out the window of the airplane and you're thinking, man, I sure hope that pilot knows what he's gonna do because right now I'd have a heart attack. And you look out, and all you see is clouds, and sometimes I've been in there, and you're seeing lightning going, and they're trying to get above a winter storm coming in or something like that. And you know, you know, if you could just clear that storm a little bit, we just that pilot knows, if I could just get above the clouds. And have you ever been on a plane when it's super cloudy, and yet he hits the top of those clouds and lifts right above them and you look out, I take a picture almost every time it ever happens on my phone. You know, what I, you know what you see? You see the top white of the clouds, blue skies, the sunshine and bright. And yet you know right below you, the storm is raging. Hey, you know what the devil likes to do is you and I take steps of faith. As we move forward in our Christian life, he likes to keep our mind in the clouds, he likes to keep our mind on the things not happening, on the storms that we're in, on the situations that aren't going. You know what God does? God invites you and I to say, hey, lift your eyes up to the sun. The sun's always in control. He's always above the clouds. And when I say sun, I'm talking S-O-N. Hey, lift your eyes up to the son of, Jesus, to the son of God, to Jesus Christ. Get your mind out of the clouds. Stop being deterred to get your focus on the on the controversies and the challenges. Hey, a faith step. God says, I'm doing this. I'm using this. You can trust me. Even though things get worse before they get better, where you focus determines your peace and it determines your perspective, determines your outlook. The last principle I want us to see today as we take faith steps is this, that God's promises remain the same. Did you see in there that God... Just said to Moses, go speak into the ears of Pharaoh. Tell him, let my people go. And then the people, they complain. Moses comes back to him and he just says in chapter six, and the reference is off right there, but chapter six and verse 10 through 13, he says this. It says, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, go speak into the Pharaoh of Egypt, king of Egypt, that he let my people go. And Moses did, and the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge unto the children of Israel. What was that charge? The charge was, Moses, my promises remain. Hey, hey, the people are doubting me right now, Moses, but I will still deliver. Did you see those verses we read just a minute ago? All the times God said, I will. I am, I will. Hey, as you take faith steps for God, one of the best things you can do is fall back on the promises of God. Paul said it this way, faithful is he who calleth you, who also will do it. God is working. God is in control. Even though things may get worse before they get better, God is still the one to claim victory. So what can you and I do? Well, the question I would ask you today as we close is this. What is the faith step? There's a lot of misprints in there, and I apologize. What is the faith step the Lord has been asking you to take? And what's holding you back from taking it? What's the faith step? Listen, what, what area of your Christian life, what step is God, is God asking you to take that you've been saying, no, I'm not going to do it? Well, why not today just make the decision, okay, God, I'll give. All right, God, I'll speak. I'll witness to my neighbor. And then begin with worship. And then go through this checklist knowing that God's promises remain the same, that other people may not understand it, that sometimes things might get worse before they get better, but you can always come back to say, God, I'm just going to keep my focus upon you. I hope that the decision that we would make today would be this. God, as I journey in my faith, as I take faith steps for you, God, help me to focus on you. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.